And so that's kind of how I avoided getting a traditional job was I figured out this almost secret way to make money to pay for the blog. The water's fine, homie, jump into the deep end. So it you will reap it. We're talking how to start it, how to grow it, how to keep it. Take a deep breath. You are now rocking with Founder Secrets. Hi, Alexa. Welcome to Founder Secrets. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I kind of want to start at, at, at the end. You know, you your kind of persona and everything is about this idea of being fearless and this kind of strong and empowerment. What, what, what does that mean? To, and, and is that the same to everyone? Great question. So to me, being fearless means just doing something small every single day that gets you out of your comfort zone. I think that's truly how people grow. I know there's so many different like MLM schemes and all of these things that are like, step one, do this. And I just truly think it's as simple as saying hi to someone at a coffee shop or making business cards. And I think that's really how you can get out of your comfort zone every single day. What's MLM? That's like the Ponzi schemes, right? Oh, the multi-level marketing. Multi-level marketing. Uh -huh. Yeah. Wait, have you been roped into any of them? No, but I get messages all the time. You know, can we help you build a business? Do you need a business coach? Whatever. And so I see a lot of like, specifically on Reddit, people being like, is this real? Is this what's going to really help me start a business or whatever? And I'm like, no. <laughs> no, it will not. You started very young, right? You started your first blog at what, 12? At what point did it start to make money? Like at what point was it kind of a money thing versus just a hobby or fun thing? Not until I was like 17. And honestly, it wasn't even the blog at that point that was making money. I had figured out that I needed to do TV segments from this girl. I had been doing her social media. I needed to do these TV segments to be able to afford to pursue the blog. And so that's kind of how I avoided getting a traditional job was I figured out this almost secret way to make money to pay for the blog. And, and now it kind of self runs, but that took 10 plus years. Wait, so what was the secret way to make money? So I had, I guess it's not really secret. Um, I guess maybe illegal is the right word because I was <laughs> underage signing these contracts. But essentially I had been asked to do social media. I had made a LinkedIn page. So I was doing different people's social media and there was a girl whose social media I was doing in New York and she was this big on-air TV personality. So she would go on Today Show, Good Morning America. And so I was kind of thrown into doing, I was Wait, doing who is her, it? her name's Brittany Levine. Um, I haven't talked to her in forever. We still follow each other on Instagram. And I had said to her, I don't understand how you make money. You are around all this beautiful clothing and whatnot. And she said, oh, you reach out to a brand, a Kmart, a a target, whatever, and say, will you pay me to go on air and talk about this company? And, you know, there's not that many, there's way less people doing those on-air segments than there are, say, blogging. So these marketing companies have thousands of dollars a month to spend on more traditional media, especially back in like 2015. And so I was kind of like, okay, if she can do that, why can't I do it? So I reached out, I started reaching out to different producers and then I would go to the brands, but a lot of people don't know that you would actually have to sign a contract from a producer saying you weren't being paid. And so of course then, and I mean, honestly, this is how it goes on a lot of these segments. And it's just this whole kind of like black market for that type of work. Uh, which is crazy because you're going on TV, you're putting together a segment, it's taking you weeks to plan and the stations don't pay. And so when I was 16, I was like, oh, I'm going to do it. And I did it. And I, but you know, I would sign the contracts. I had no idea for years that it, I shouldn't have been signing those contracts, but no one knew that I was underage. This is mind boggling. So, so you, how do, wait, so I thought you said the producer 
It makes you sign that you are not getting paid, but you were getting paid. Yeah, because the brands were paying. So I'm going on TV to say, talk about oh. teen fashion. That's okay. Yes. But then the brands, now the shirt that I'm wearing that's on me, that's on the model I'm talking about is by Walmart and Walmart is paying me. So I'm almost brokering this deal. And the other thing I think is also really interesting is, you know, to pay me say five grand to talk about this amazing Walmart back to school line. If you were to go directly to the Today Show and pay them to talk about it, it would cost a hundred grand. So there's a ton of money there with these hosting gigs. So that was really paying my bills for years. Wow. So but you, you were, were on a TV show. So yeah, that was pre-Disney. So I did, I mean, if you go, I have like a press page on my website. I mean, a lot of these links are from all of these morning shows that I was essentially like cold pitching and then getting paid behind the scenes to do. So who even reach out to at Walmart or a Kmart to say, hey, give me 5K, I'm gonna be on a show tomorrow. I'm like, so bad. like, how'd you do it? You were 16 or 17. Like, how'd you even know how to get on the Today Show? Like, there's so many. On all cold calling. It was all cold calling. It was called, I like to call it cold harassment. But I, I mean, you just, you literally do not give up. Like, until I got someone that said no, I would not stop. And honestly, I'm still like that today. I mean, if you guys had said no to me being on your show, I would have stopped. But like, you know, with the producers and everything and the brands, like I said, I mean, this is a very, this has been around for a year, like, way more years past my time. Obviously, no one my age has ever dipped their toes into this world of like sponsored segments and stuff. And I hope no one my age ever does because it was really, it is really difficult. But you know, you're going to a traditional marketing director. So I would, you know, I would see something at a store and I'd be like, oh, great. You know, this is back to school. I, I was the most, uh, how do I, I don't even know the right word. I, nothing would be off the table to me, like back to school. Okay. We need shoes. We need backpacks. We need a protein bar. We need a, you know, a soda. We need, so I would, we need a collagen. So I'd be at Walmart taking photos of the brands, emailing all of the brands being like, Hey, I'm Alexa Curtis. I've got this TV segment coming up. The brands would pay me. They'd send the product. You know, the producer would be like, wait, why are they talking about tea? Like it's back to school. And I was like, because, you know, throwing Karen is the producer at who knows what. Karen, like you need to wake up and drink something to go to back to school hydrated. And I would say this, like, are you crazy? And they would be like, oh, I guess. Yeah, you're right. And that's, you know, another grand right there. So it's just like sales. It was all just sales. It was ridiculous. It was wild. Well, did they keep track that you mentioned all the products? Like what would happen if you don't mention it? Oh, that's why I said I, I truly actually hope no one ever pursues this type of or that in particular part of like my career um it was it was terrible I mean I would upfront probably and I got myself into a lot of debt when I was younger having to do this you know sometimes the brands wouldn't pay you for net 30 to 90 so for me it was always like how much money can I get up front because of the possibility that if you forgot to say it it's like acting if you forgot to say it or if the producer pulled it you're not getting paid so I would say 50% of the time I didn't get paid and then I'm still required. Like I would have to pay for the travel there. I'd have to pay for the lodging if I couldn't get a hotel for free. Uh, and then a lot of times also, cause I never disclosed my age. So people are thinking this woman's like 35. Why is she screwing up? Gosh forbid, I forget to talk about the tea. I would get letters, you know, this is the worst segment we've ever seen, or, you know, we're not paying you. No one cares. I was out 5k from like having to get myself there to do it. So it's, it was very difficult. How, how did, did that parlay into the Disney thing? Like, is that also, how did you get, 
how did you even know how to, how to have the presence at 17 to go on the Today Show? Like, it seems so intimidating. Like, who taught you? Your parents were, like, sitting down and was like, look, this is how you make it in life. You just hustle <laughs> every day. No, no, literally. Um, I mean, I, I have no one. I think people think at this point they don't even believe me. But, I mean, I came from a very traditional background. My dad was wrongfully convicted when I was seven. He was in prison most of my childhood. Um, he's honestly never to this day been able to make more than like 25,000 a year because of what the state of Connecticut did to him and think like, I mean, he's 60, right? 64. I think my dad is, my dad's amazing, but I mean, they ruined his life. Um, the justice system, that's a whole other story. And my mom was a nurse. So, you know, she was taking care of me while my dad was going through this and hundreds of grand and legal bills. So I, I don't have, I never did. For me, it was just, I truly think some entrepreneurs are just born and some are made. And, and I have to think that the only thing that makes sense is I was just born with this innate inner drive. Anytime I saw something I didn't understand, like how was this woman making money? I would, instead of being like, that's weird, or let me buy a book on this, I'd be like, I'm going to do it. So, <laughs> and then sometimes, like I said, you know, I wouldn't get paid and all this stuff and I would learn there. So anytime five years down the line, when I do a TV segment, you know, the contract I has, I have that I give to a brand has everything, every clause in there is based on me being screwed over. So it was just so much life experience. Well, that's unbelievable. Uh, it's uh, and so what did you how did that take you to Disney? So I had a podcast similar to your guys is called This is Life Unfiltered. And so I as I was doing the TV segments and obviously think of like TV four or five years ago, I guess even still now it's similar in numbers in terms of like your Instagram or your TikTok. So I'm doing these TV segments. I probably have like nine or 10,000 Instagram followers. Uh, I don't even know if I had that many back a few years ago and I would go to a brand and say, Hey, I have a TV segment, but I also have a podcast. Can you also add an additional 200 for an ad? And so I was able to start kind of like working with the brands, including the social media element of it for me, which was always very difficult to get them. I would always have to lead with the TV segment. And so I was able to take kind of any money that I was making and then put a little bit more into the podcast. And so I was living in Boston. I moved from New York to Boston and I had found a producer list online and I sent an email out to a BCC to literally 466 producers being like, I do these TV segments. I've got this podcast. It was really just on a whim. And I think I woke up two days later and I had a response from the assistant to the VP at Radio Disney and they just were like, if you live in LA, Phil, who was the VP at the time, is interested in meeting you. And I was like, oh my God, oh, like what? Uh, so I, within a week, had literally subletted that Boston apartment, called up a friend of mine from childhood who had always wanted to live in LA. And was like, will you go to LA with me? Like, I think I might get a TV show. And it ended up being Radio Disney. Uh, and it kind of just started from there. Wow. So, so what happened? So, so, so you drop your life in, in Boston, moved to LA, and... And you told him, all right, I live here now. I want the show. Is that how it works? No, I broke up with my boyfriend. Let's put that out there. I broke up with my like poor high school or I didn't even barely finish high school. I guess in the time it would have been like college age. I think I was 18. I break up with him. I pack up literally all of my shit. I sublet this apartment uh, to this guy from Facebook Marketplace. I find an apartment on this Facebook group called Gypsy Housing in LA. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Gypsy Housing. Love Gypsy Housing with another guy who was like working at Topshop. So it was like three of us living in this two bedroom in West Hollywood. 
uh, I got the meeting with Disney. I think it was scheduled for maybe like two weeks later. Uh, and of course, probably rescheduled five times because they always reschedule everything. And then I'm living in West Hollywood, uh, trying to just like figure out what I'm doing, but I'm just like almost banking, which I had never done in my whole life, but like banking on the possibility that like, I'm going to be able to convince a team of executives to give me a show. At this point, I was like, I need some type of bigger yes. So I'm sitting on my couch in, in LA and I got a call on a block number, which I decline and I got it. It comes again. And the, there's someone on the phone and, and she's like, is this Alexa Curtis? And I was like, yes, I have a tendency, which is really bad to pick up. If I don't know the phone number, I'm just like total B-I-T-C-H dot I'm like, hello. Like it's, I have no kindness if I think you're calling or you're spam. And she's like, and I'm like, yep. Like who the fuck is this? <laughs> I think I literally said that. I hope that's what you said. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, hi, this is Anne D'Amato. It's there's like major management companies. So there's WME, CAA. There's one that's called RMG. There's like the top 10. And I think Rain was like nine. She's like, this is Anne D'Amato. My, my daughter, um, like I'm an agent at RMG. Don't even know how they got my phone number. She was like, my daughter saw you on a TV segment at the time, still living in LA, like just moved there doing these TV segments. Saw you on TV and I don't know what it is that you do, but like something about you stands out. She's like, can you come and take a meeting with the management team? So I basically, at this point, I'm like, oh my God, like that's insane. So I, I have a meeting with RMG and a week later I have the Disney meeting. So in this like week period, two weeks, I'm thinking to myself, there's no way I can show up to Disney unrepresented because they're going to totally screw me over. So I go to this meeting with RMG and they're like, you know, how are you making money? And I'm like, not ethically and not from the blog that you're probably thinking I am. Uh, and I said, but, but, and they're like, what? And they're, I'm like, but, but like, give me a chance. Somehow I've got myself a, a meeting with Disney and the main agent had actually represented tons of like young Disney talent. So they ended up taking me on. So I, I was like, great, I've got a rep. So now I'm able to go into Disney. So essentially Eileen, who became my manager, helped negotiate the deal. We had probably nine or 10 meetings with Disney, like in Burbank at their headquarters for weeks, basically being like, how, what can we do here? You know, you're not an actress. And then in March of 2019 or 2018, they said yes to the show. A month later, it's like the worst story. Ever. A month later, they say no to the show because they decided they didn't like my YouTube videos out of the blue. I can't even. Wait, what, want... what happened in your YouTube videos? So I decided living in Boston, right? Just trying to like make shit happen, inspire people. And I was like, I never learned about sex ed. So I'm going to teach kids about sex ed. I'm not going to teach them how to have sex. I'm going to teach them about sex ed. Nothing like caller daddy, nothing like PG 13, full on PG. Like I'm not even saying the word sex. I'm saying the word intercourse for like kids who don't know about their bodies. So, you know, I'm signing this contract, essentially. I remember the exact moment I got a phone call from Eileen and Disney, not even Phil, his, his executive assistant sends an email being like, ah, oh, this, this, like literally like verbatim, we love Alexa, but unfortunately we found her YouTube videos and can no longer offer her the show. We wish her the best of luck. And it ended up just being six months of pure hell. It was awful. I, I, it was the worst six months of my life. Um, I'm like, I lost the show. Eileen's like, we're not representing you anymore. But I, I was totally depressed. I was suicidal. I just couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I was in shock. She's like, why didn't you tell me about these videos? I'm like, there's nothing to tell you about. Like why there's nothing to tell you about. I was like, I'll delete the videos, but they're not bad. You know, why are they telling me this nine months into signing this contract? 
six months later, I like land in LA and just, you know, that like entrepreneurial fire. I'm like, something is like, keep doing this, but I'm like, I'm losing my mind. It's eight o'clock in the morning. And I get a phone call from her. I'm in an Uber. And it literally just says, you got the fucking show. They just called me, like, call me later. I don't have time to talk about this. And it, I just, and I just remember like, I was just, I don't even know, but it was probably my favorite story in being an entrepreneur because it was clinically insane. What changed your mind? He was like, sorry, I haven't had a chance to call you back. He ended up calling, I guess, Eileen and was like, I'm so sorry. We're so busy. I haven't had a chance to call you back in six months. Well, like, thanks Wait, was for this Phil or his assistant? I'm really invested in the characters in the story. Phil, <laughs> Phil, Phil, who at Phil. the time was Radio Disney. Yeah, great guy. But he was like, we really haven't had time to call you back. But thank you so much for having her delete the videos. Like, we're good to go. Can you come in next week and finalize the contract? And the show went into production in August. So it was wild. Yeah, Dude, you wouldn't even know that. The life of Alexa. Now that I say it out loud, I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> But you can't give up, right? I guess not. <laughs> yeah. that, I mean, that, that's real resilience. So, so they come back six months later. And then how, how does it work? Like, do you present the show? Like, is it your show? Or do they tell you what to do? Like, how, how does it work? I'm glad you asked that. Because I think this goes to the story of like, not only my journey towards like becoming successful, I guess, but the ability that anyone has to make this happen for themselves. I sent them an email they were like, something about you stands out, right? Like, we're going to take a meeting with you. I had no idea. I just was like, this is what I've done. These TV segments, the podcast, uh, I inspire a lot of young people, not millions, not even hundreds of thousands. But like, I've got a bit of a cult following here. And they were like, okay, we like that fearless word. I had started this fearless Fridays thing. And they were like, we like this, like, let's play on this. So they gave me a, a few weeks in between all of this like chaos prior to them saying no come to us with an idea. And so I remember in that like three week period, there was a lot of back and forth with me and Eileen, Eileen and I of like, you know, we've got one chance to give them something that we think will work. What is it going to be? Cause I'm not an actress and, and they don't take talent like me. I mean, essentially I'm this girl off the street from a farm town in Mansfield. I go back to like someone there saw something in me because it doesn't make any sense. And this isn't traditional how this is done. Usually you go to a casting agent, you have a manager. And so I came up with the fearless everyday thing and I presented it to them as a weekly show where I would interview a kid who was doing something really fearless along with Disney hosts. I really had to kind of tailor the show towards Disney. It wasn't something that was like the Alexa Curtis brand or like being unfiltered or anything. Cause I knew they weren't going to like that. This becomes a game of like, it's no longer about you. It's how bad do you want them? Because they don't need me. So I, I came up with that idea and Eileen and liked it. And I was like, let's pitch them this. And then that was one of the meetings. And then essentially it becomes that, but this is not traditionally how this goes at all. You're, you're hired from an agency or through a manager to, to do your job. You don't just call them up and say, I want this. Wow. So you so you come up with the idea. You come up with this fearless idea. And then like to find the guests, is it up to you or is there like a team and like they go source the guests? Like how, how does the kind of ends and outs of the show work? Yeah. So it was actually really great. I mean, it's so different than being a podcast host because being with a network, which that was, I mean, they do everything. They like that, you know, four minutes of me not being able prior to this episode to figure out how to like update Chrome. It's like done for you. You're literally just walking in, you're sitting there, you're doing the, you're doing the show. And I had a team of producers. They would come up with all the taglines. I would do 
some like promo every Friday. I remember when I pitched it to them, I wanted it to be a really interactive show. I wanted you to also be able to call in and ask me questions that I could help you with. So once a week we would go in and we would, it was all pre-taped, I mean, weeks out. So I would work for like 60 hours in one week on like eight weeks of interviews. And they do all the editing and whatnot. I mean, we would have sometimes hour, hour and a half interviews. They would cut down to five, five minutes. It was crazy. And then with the guests, I did a lot of sourcing. So I would find like Forbes 30 under 30 lists. I would find like the top kid entrepreneur lists. I would look, I would watch Shark Tank up till midnight to try and find a kid who, you know, wasn't a trust fund kid whose dad had like not given them $50 million to start a candy company. I wanted it to be very true to me. And then Disney would give me like some of the celebrity guests. So they were like, hey, we've got, you know, Mackenzie Ziegler, the dance mom's girl was like very, and is very hot Disney talent. She's got XYZ coming up. Like we're scheduling an interview with you and her on Wednesday at 12 to one. Uh, So it was a a good mix between that. Wow. So then for those of you not watching on video, Alexa is wearing a necklace that says fearless just to make, put a, put a point on the fearless brand, which sounds like started at Disney and now maybe catch us up to today. Cause now you're doing something called fearless. That's your own. So I'm always wondering like, does Disney own the word fearless or uh, apparently not you own it or how, no. how did you transition from, from Disney to what you're doing now? Yeah. So I had started this fearless Fridays thing pre the manager, pre Disney. And that was every week I would do something that got me out of my comfort zone. And so when I went to Disney, I was like, this may be of interest to you guys, this Fearless Friday. And actually they said, I said, let's call the show Fearless Fridays. And they said, you have done that. So we actually can't legally do that. We can change the name to Fearless Every Day uh, and start like your own show, whatever. So they essentially own, I guess, that name, Fearless Every Day, but they don't trademark like they haven't. I'm allowed to use fearless in whatever capacity, of course, that I want. And so when I was there, I had started this other project called Be Fearless Summit. And so that's been since like 2018, 2019 to now, but way more seriously now than when I was at Disney. And that's essentially this reinvented career brand, something I could envision becoming a similar thing to Morning Brew, but more focused on entrepreneurship and startup life. And so I've been building that on and off, but now definitely like very heavy on for about three, four years since Disney. So it's a career fair. What do you mean? It's been a while since I've been to a career fair. It's like, well, how, <laughs> like, what does that mean? So yeah, so it's it started as basically like conferences. So I would reach out to a college and the first was with Drexel and I would bring them essentially like a summit and all the speakers and stuff were involved. I did one, had no intention for this to even become what it has become or ever get paid for it. I just was like, I'm going to call all my celebrity friends and ask them to speak and inspire people. And it just really, uh, it took on a life of its own from that one. So there's the career fair side of it. And then there's like the content and community side of it. So that is a very strong following of just really young, ambitious people that are very interested in entrepreneurship and startup life. I think a lot of these predominantly young women are looking to model some element of what I've been able to do with my life that I've built on my own and do it for theirs. So a lot of them are working jobs, but they want to start a side hustle. They want to start a company. And so throughout every event, I try and weave a lot of elements of entrepreneurship in but not solely focus on that. It's really just helping you figure out what you want to do for your life. 
It's interesting because you you switch audiences from like it seems like when you were a teenager, you did content for teenagers, mm-hmm. and now you're in your I guess mid twenties, and it seems like you're also targeting people in their twenties. Is that fair to say? Like, is the audience kind of you're like growing up with you, so you 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 want to continue being the content for kind of people your age to inspire them? Yeah, I think it's a lot of that. I think it's a lot of the kind of kids who grew up with me. I mean, we all, there was this like little group of like teen bloggers when I started. So I've kind of grown up with them and I think they've grown up with me. And then I think through the podcast as well, being able to discuss so much more about entrepreneurship and my experiences with it have enabled me to hit a bit of an older demographic. So now like I'm honestly 25 to 34 is my primary Uh, keeping in mind that like, I still have some of that Disney following. So I don't want to totally shy away from it. But I feel at this day and age more equipped to help someone who's in their early to mid 20s figure out what they want to do with their lives than help someone who's 12 or 14. You know, the the news kind of portrays some of very young people as being like not optimistic about the future that they think, you know, the world's going to die in five years. I don't believe that. But but I'm curious, like, do you see that at all? And also, like, how how, how do you, because you, you're such a, you seem like such an optimistic go-getter. Like, you just, you make the world that you want. It, it seems that that's very, very clear. And I'm curious that if somebody comes to you and they say, and they don't feel that way, what do you say to them? Or do you just kind of avoid those people? Or how, how do you kind of deal with that? Definitely don't avoid them. I think it's it's grounding people a lot of the time to remind them that, where I am now is nowhere where I was five, six years ago. And I think a lot of this stems from early on teaching people, which is why I don't want to totally avoid that 12 to 17 year old demographic is teaching them things like confidence is teaching them things like how to understand, like building a personal brand and starting at the beginning with that, because nowadays you're right. They either think the world is going to end or they think the world has ended if in five years they haven't become some viral TikTok star. Uh, So a lot of like my content, especially if I do a keynote or whatnot, is a lot more starting at the beginning, like how to build the personal brand. You know, how do you figure out what it is that you even want to do? Is it in social media? Is it in business? You know, I focus way more on that kind of demographic and I guess clientele of followers than I do someone who's like a lawyer or an an accountant or a doctor, unless they are also interested in entrepreneurship. And then I'm kind of like, okay, like join the party. I think I can help you figure it out. But if you're like, you know, super straight edge doctor, then my content's probably not a fit for you because you're probably not cold calling people trying to get yourself who knows whatever else next it is that I'm doing. But I, I do think the similarity between all of it is it still comes down to regardless of whether you want to be an entrepreneur or whether you want to work from someone else, I'm a firm believer that everyone should still show up to the table equally as their own brand. And I say that because number one, I mean, you never know what's going to happen, right? And my goal is that like people don't keep waking up at 30, 40, 50 and hating their lives or hating their careers because I think it's preventable. Uh, but more importantly, if you want to work for someone else, you are as equally as a brand as they are. The way that I Though it's not the same as obviously being a doctor or anything like that, but like a doctor is working for a hospital. They need each other. In that moment that I sold that show to Disney, they, for some reason, needed me as talent. I was the brand. They're they're also the brand. So if you can view it in that way, I think it's very easy for me to help pretty much everyone figure out what they want to do. You said you teach people uh, confidence. Like, how do you 
teach somebody like what exactly do you do to teach somebody to be confident? I have like a lot of different just little techniques. I've got this telegram group of kind of a lot of these girls who have come to these summits or been a part of this community. Uh, so I always kind of like to be the person they can go to with the questions and just take my own personal experiences with it and, and bring it in. I also have certain techniques, you know, when it comes to like how to specifically position yourself, if you don't know how to approach someone in public where you're not comfortable giving yourself a business card, giving someone a business card of yours. Right. Uh, so a lot of people would be like, well, I'm, I'm insecure because X, Y, Z. And a lot of times they're not realizing they're insecure because like, they just don't know what they want to do yet. So it's like, how do we figure out what you can try is it some type of social media? Is it we introduce you to a mentor? Is it we find an internship for you or like someone you can consult with in your town, especially like if it's a small town. So where as long as you know you like business or you like fashion, uh, I can guide you towards like figuring out that confidence. And I think a lot of it comes from just trying things and being more open to the possibility that this won't work out, but something will. So a lot of it is like mentorship matching and the content and stuff as well. Flavia and I both were real computer nerds when we were younger. We were teenagers. You know, I taught myself programming when I was really young. That that got me started in computers, kind of similar to you. And I think that it worked out well for all three of us, right? You know, you were a little later than than he and I. Like you were more in the social media age than 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 he and I were. I I, I say that because um, I come across people that. Um, I'm like, you're 13 or you're 15, like people in my family, and it's clear that they can handle, you know, the, what's on the web. And then I come across people, I'm like, somebody should hide devices from you. <laughs> like, like that, that there's, there, you know, it's a scary world out there in, in a lot of ways at a young age. And you come across things that are abrasive, you know, you know what I mean? So I, I'm curious, like, do you think, because um, a lot of these young people look up to you, is it a matter of that they need a guiding light like yourself? Is it that, or or, they, or someone like a mentor to show them the way? Or is it that some people are just naturally able to understand computers or the tech world or the social media world better at a young age? Like how, how do you see that, especially as someone who was able to <laughs> like grab everything you wanted at such a young age? Um, I'm sure there were downsides, but look at where you are today. Versus some people seem to really get swallowed up in the online world and kind of never escape in a positive way. Yeah, thanks. Um, I, I mean, look, there's all these these kids, right? And I've, I've done a lot of talks to parents. Like my son has not left his bedroom in five days. All he does is play video games. And there's kind of this question of like, oh my God, sorry, I'm like a thousand degrees and sweating in this. Um, there's kind of this like question of like, okay, but why is he in there? And why was he not given some other, and this is like a specific case, right? Why was he not given some other mentor or guidance? And predominantly, it's because the parent doesn't have the time. And so a lot of this, in my opinion, comes from the schools need to be more willing to look at kids who look like they're struggling a little bit more or don't get it and make it a more comfortable space for them. And a lot of schools don't do that. And so that's sure where someone like me would come in to be like, Kind of that role model and this is why i started this is it is quite remarkable i've been able to do this as as a life right with like the trauma that i've experienced with a kid and why didn't i end up on drugs why didn't i end up going down this other path i don't know but it was as easy as i didn't do that so you don't need to do that 
And that's where for me, a lot of it is, is mentorship. And a lot of it is being a role model for these young people because I didn't have it. So I had to make it for myself. And maybe you don't like my content or my work, but perhaps you find someone else on YouTube or even better if it's reading, not on social media, who you can model your life off of. Because as much as you look at like an Alex Earl or the girl who started Call Her Daddy or, or whatever, and I don't know them personally. However, I can tell you that like, there's probably a lot of stuff along the way that they haven't posted about that is very similar to my story, of course, rejection, the highs and lows. And a lot of people don't want to authentically talk about that stuff. So whoever your role model is, or you want to model your life after, make sure it is someone who you feel like you can relate to the good parts of their life and the harder parts of their life. Well, first, thanks for doing this and, and sort of helping teach and help inspire others. And it sounds like what you're doing is giving the story for people that they were like you uh, and wanting and you wish you had. Which is kind of what we're doing with this podcast for folks that what we wish we would have had as entrepreneurs. So kudos on that. I'd say like the problem I have with like content, sort of like this, like even the conference business, my like struggle with it is just such a one-time thing, right? It's constantly like hunting whales and you live by what you kill every day. And uh, I mean, Taylor, you, he was in the agency world. Uh, I also did some software development for hire where, where I felt like I was just kind of doing that. And then next, next project, next project, constantly having to show up and make it, make it rain. And, um, that seems really hard. And I guess I'm wondering like, where, where do you see this going for your, uh, future? So that when you are, I guess, 30, 40, um, you wake up and have a job that you enjoy. I would be lying if I said that it doesn't give me that exact question, like keep me up at night now in ways that it didn't in my teens and in my early twenties. And this is something that like I'm personally going through and I don't really understand the landscape of it, but I do understand the building blocks at this point on how to build a company and how to scale it. A lot of what I've done over the years is like, sure, building up this personal brand and getting the Disney show, but the same way that you're saying it is in the advertising and especially marketing world, right? If I stop posting tomorrow, I will probably be forgotten about. However, luckily, I don't consider myself an influencer. So I can stop posting tomorrow. Alexa might be forgotten about, but like this college summit program, that community, that particular brand will not be. So I think what gives me anxiety about it is the possibility that like this will not scale to where I could not be posting videos every day of my life. And I, I look forward to a day where I don't have to do that. And so I'm like, you know, I think there's ways to build this out into more of like a SaaS platform. I think there's ways to look at more of a funnel for potentially even at some point raising money to be able to hire a sales and marketing team to run Be Fearless Summit. But I've also had so many experiences along the way that have kind of taken me a bit away from that personal brand like the Disney show, like this other company I was a part of for a bit. Uh, and so now I see it clearer how to get there. But I would say I also have a lot more anxiety on, on will it work or not? Because now it's like, I don't know, I think, I mean, I'm 25, but I'm doing it for so long, right? Like, why hasn't it hit yet? I think a lot of people wonder that. And I think that's a negative headspace to live in. So it's kind of just more like, which direction do I want to take it? And I don't know the answer yet. Um, but I know I think it'll come through just keep doing what I'm doing. You just don't give up. How do you decide who to partner with? And, and that could be somebody like Disney, or that could be an agent that you work with, could be a co-founder in a business. How do, how do like, what, what's your kind of um, 
personal algorithm in a way? How do you filter these people? Or how do you view the world in that way in terms of who you're going to partner with? I think it depends. I think it depends on the partnerships. I mean, the Disney type of a partnership is a one in a million. So I don't know. I mean, perhaps if MTV or Netflix came to me tomorrow and said, let's do something similar, I would say yes. But if they came to me and were like, we want you to be the host of a show of some crazy thing, like a jackass. I mean, that's not really aligned with me. So I think the question is more like the brand partnerships. I mean, I've had a lot of outreach from CBD brands or from vape companies, and those brands have so much money. I mean, tens of thousands of dollar partnerships. But to me, I mean, I don't really vape. Uh, so it doesn't really seem authentic. But like, sure, would I love that that would pay my rent for four months? Yeah. Like, am I going to give a kid cancer because like, I, need, I want the money? Like, of course not. Uh, and I think if you do that, then I don't know, I'm probably not your target demographic of, of uh, followers or whatnot. Uh, and then I think with the other partnerships, I mean, for me, it's really like a gut feeling. I mean, I, I had a co-founder at one point along the way. And at the time, it was like a gut feeling. It was a very like, I think this is right. Uh, let's do it. Let's try it. There's like an optimism I still have not lost with as bad as things have gone over the years with certain opportunities. Uh, and I think you just, you never know, you never know like what might be that next billion dollar company. Uh, so you just have to go into it, trusting your gut and knowing that it may not work out. And if it doesn't, something better will come. I have one other question. So you seem so good at like cold pitching. Like, like it, it sounds, I don't know if it's actually phone calls, but you mentioned cold calls earlier. Um, or if it's cold emails or texting people or, or however it is. Uh, and I'm curious, like, where you learned that skill? And also, do you have uh, suggestions or, or advice to people who want to get better at that kind of cold pitching and whatnot? I didn't learn it from anywhere in particular. And I have to say, I started this cold calling thing. I was uh, skiing with my now ex-boyfriend in um, mm -hmm. January. And I can't remember, I didn't go one day. We were in Zurich, or sorry, we were in Gestad, Switzerland, and he wanted to go skiing. And so I was like bored out of my mind. And it's the middle of the holidays. And like, for my industry, it's very slow. So in the holiday period. So he's skiing, I'm in this hotel room. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to start calling people back who rejected me, actually, because I'm curious why people reject me, because they always get the email back. Sorry, not a fit. Sorry, not a fit. So it was just in this moment in January that I literally like put my phone on video and was like, I want this. And then I ended up posting this one video on TikTok and it went like totally viral. Uh, and that's when I was like, oh, I guess I'm on to something here. But it wasn't, I honestly was never doing it before January. I was, I would cold email thousands of people a day still to this day. But cold calling is not really necessary for me. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to create the content and show people me being rejected because obviously it inspires people. But for the most part, I will respond to an email like, hey, why isn't this a fit? I'm not often calling people, but there was no, no one ever taught me. I will say my dad is in sales or, or was in sales and he was really good at sales, but he never like taught me how to do it. And I never really saw him do it. He was traveling on the road selling when I was growing up. So I don't know. It was just uh, kind of on a whim. But it is in your blood. <laughs> it's a genetic. Yes, genetic. What What about tactically? Like, how exactly do you even send thousands of emails a day? Physically? Like, what do you What do you even get the emails? What do you use to send it? Like, there's no way you're doing this like Gmail one by one. So, actually, funny. I am, and I literally I hired a girl to help me with Beast Fearless Summit a few weeks ago, or actually a few months ago, and she's amazing. And I'm paying her hourly, and she is like 
typing in the email. And I literally woke up today and was like, this is insane. So I went on Fiverr and I looked up data mining. And of course I got a guy who does this shit for $10 for like 15 hours of work. Like, fuck. So I texted her and was like, I'm going to move you to doing something else because I just realized I do not need to be paying you hourly. But I have been doing that. Uh, a lot of like my, I think, background and because I started this so young is like very traditional. I am not as good as social media what people think. Like I pay someone to edit my videos. I not only don't have the time, but I'm not good at it. Uh, so I'm good at like the business part and the speaking part. But a lot of that, I don't know. So I know there's a, there's a lot of websites out there that you can send those emails. Uh, it, for me, it's, it's my, I only type with these two fingers. I used to have kids in high school, ask me to type for them. I am like a serial. I mean, I can type what would take someone five minutes in five seconds. You only type with two, you fingers. only type with two fingers. Yeah. And it, my phone's over there, but I also only text with two fingers. So I'm, that makes very, sense. I don't send out a thousand a day, but I would send out, say I send out sure a hundred a day. Now I don't need to send out any a day because I just figured out this, this guy can do it for um. me. But yeah, that's awesome. Well, you have a conference coming up. Um, let's make sure we plug that. What can you share? What what is that about? So the pre-sale will go live. Uh, the website team that I have is kind of updating my website now to make it more be fearless heavy. So there will be a new event page in the hopefully by Friday uh of this of this week. And so I do know that the keynote will be Anne Malum. She's the founder of Solid Core. She recently sold it. Uh, so I do know that. And then everything else, this summit will be different because it's not in partnership with a college. I've never been able to sell tickets before. So I'm petrified of how this will go. I have been paid by universities to bring it to them. So this is a totally different selling model for me. Um, and then everything else, it'll be similar to what those have been. But I think not partnering with a college will allow me a lot more flexibility to build out a curriculum behind it. Um, and so that's where I say, like, I don't know where this is going to go. Cause I've been, I started be fearless summit in 2018, right? This is the first summit I'm doing without tickets or with paid tickets. So it's now switching the model again. Cause I think that's the right thing to in do in person or virtual yeah, in person. Oh, where is it? Boston. All right. It's be fearless summit.org. That's where yeah. people find you. Well, last question. And we got to wrap is what, um, advice do you have for, for folks? Um, yeah, wanting to get into entrepreneurship, uh, maybe they were like uh, a little younger listening to you, like what's what's the number one piece of advice you'd offer them? The one piece of advice I will not give is just start because that's what every person gives. And the thing is like, you can't, you're too scared to start, right? You can't just tell someone just start. I think what I would say is- They would have started already. <laughs> no, it's like, just start. Well, it's not that easy, bro. Like, shut up. Um, no, I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. Like, I'm kidding. Uh, so I think in your notebook, you need to really write down what it is that you like to do. So do you like to run? Do you like to uh, make content? Do you like to read or write. And I think from there almost make like three tiers. Okay. So let's say you like to write. So you could go email some editors and maybe get some freelance writing gigs. You could make your own blog. You could make a Tumblr, or you could go out to some companies in your town and be like, Hey, for $15, a post, I will start making some blog posts for you. Cause I need the experience. And you don't need to be 25 to do this. You can do this at age 14, 15, 16. And I think like view it that way. I think there's too much emphasis on the internet allowing you to make your brand, make your company. You're not realizing that you still need to go out to people and sell the idea. You still need to like get in front of the proper editor, the proper producer, your proper future boss. 
Uh, so I think start from that. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Alexa, for making the time and, and joining us on Founder Secrets. Thank you guys for having such a cool podcast and for your great questions. Thanks, Alexa. Thank you for rocking with the homies. Taylor Trusty and Flazzy sees the day on it. Until next time, hold it down, hold it down. Yeah.